You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's going on, everybody? And welcome to Senior Bowl Day 3 Practice Recap of Building the Board. I, Robert Schmitz, am here with Quentin Crisco, and today we finally have Jacob Infante. Jacob, it was a battle getting you out of Dallas, but you're finally here. How was how was the travel experience? It was terrible. I'm going to be honest. I, uh, I got trapped in Dallas for two days. Uh, I couldn't even really go anywhere. I couldn't explore anything. I, I was just staying in a hotel uh, or staying in an airport waiting for my flight to eventually be canceled. So I, I'm just happy to be here. I'll be honest because I wasn't thinking I was going to make it. So I'm just – I'm happy to be here if I'm being honest. I'm absolutely stunned. I mean I'm a Dallas local. You know that. Yeah. And we never get snow until Jacob came to town. And then we got <laughs> an ice storm that pretty much grounded everybody because when you hit a Texas town with 20-degree weather, they have no idea what they're doing. Uh, I mean Q – what or we obviously went to practice. It was cold out there yeah, today. It was very cold. I liked your idea of starting. We'll go American team and then we'll go national team. Uh, sorry, I got that backwards. National team, then American team, which is the order of practice. Q, let's start with you. Practice day three. What was your general impression? Who stood out to you and who moved on your board? Yeah, so it continued to follow kind of a weird pace with some special teams just randomly kind of scattered throughout the practice. But guys who stood out, I mean, um, at Jacob, can you help me out with this name one more time? <laughs> oh, the Northwestern guy? Yeah. Aditamiwa Adabare. Yes. He stood out. <laughs> he stood out significantly. And if I stare at this name for five minutes before I say it, I can get it, I think. But – I was not prepared that time. I, I apologize for that. <laughs> but he playing on the interior just looks like a different guy to me. I think the the suddenness of getting off the ball and straight into his opponent helps him a lot from taking away the potential for playing games with your hands and setting up your feet and set, you know making it tough for the guy to mirror you because he is kind of stiff to play on the edge. Um, a question that I do still have with him is, you know, on running downs, what can he, how good can he be there playing on the interior? But as far as being a, a penetrating interior presence, I think he, that's something that he can truly do at the NFL level well. And he showed it today in practice, consistently being able to do that, winning in one-on-ones with his power, his energy, his motor. He's not a guy that you – it's probably fun to face. He's just a always on attack. And so he's he's the first guy that stood out to me from the national team. Um, do you want me to keep going or should we? Sure. I mean, what did you think about Cody Mock? Did he do anything unusual today or has he just continued to play at that electric pace? Cody Mock's continued to, to prove to me that he 
clearly belongs here. He, the, there's really no question for me at this point. I mean, he has justified where he's sitting on most draft boards. I think it's a fair spot for him. And while he's not, I wouldn't put him up there with the very best that I saw today or this week. He's consistently one of the high-end performers on my list. Um, and then looking at Ryan Hayes stood out to me a ton today. Okay. He I, Again, I don't think he's a fit for the Bears. I think I might have mentioned it on yesterday's show. Just probably not a good enough movement ability guy. But he's an offensive tackle out of Michigan. Let me let me say that first. Uh, but he's he just looked good all around today with his pass blocking, opening up run lanes, using his power. He's a massive human being. And I think he had a good day for someone, likely not the Bears, because they do want those movement traits. And so to talk about someone more up the Bears alley, Matt Bergeron looked exactly like he has the last two days, like a very, very talented young man. That's the Syracuse offensive tackle, Matt Bergeron, capable of playing interior as well. Great movement ability. And he's just shown power here that I did not know he possessed which is going to push him up my draft board. Absolutely. And then last guy I will mention, I'll go to Jarrett Patterson because he moved back to guard today and it hurt him. It, it hurt him a fair amount. He had, he had, I had it marked down as his worst day of the week, which oh, wow. is not, not ideal, not an ideal way to finish the week. And I'm still a big fan of his play at center, and I still think he can be a quality center in the league. But that that guard versatility is just probably not something you're going to see from him at the NFL level. It's super interesting you mentioned that. I mean, Jacob, I feel like positional versatility is something that gets talked about all the time with all kinds of players, but it cuts both ways. I mean, for as versatile as a safety like Sidney Brown from Illinois has looked out there, where I can tell you he has looked like a competent and confident nickel corner, as well as the safety that I know I've seen on tape, because this isn't a great theater for safeties. So when you can distinguish yourself in man coverage against tight ends like he has, honestly, it means a whole lot but there are some players who are going to try to show some positional versatility and and it's just not there so you're saying in your eyes patterson is a center and a center alone based on what we've seen at the senior bowl yeah i think so i mean i it's just the first day he was trying to play guard didn't have a good day it wasn't a terrible day but it wasn't good and then second day goes goes to center has a, has a good day of practice. It was one of one of my higher rated players on the day. And then day three, they move him back to guard and it's struggles again. Um, there, I remembered who the last guy was before Patterson that I wanted to mention. Do it. And that was Jalen Duncan. Okay. Controversial prospect. You know, he's got all the traits in the world. He is a mountain. Like he, he's he's a tall, tall guy. Oh, standing the Maryland next to kid. Him. Yeah. The Maryland tackle? Standing next to him. He is just huge. And... The question with him is always back, coming back to fundamentals, mental processing, what he looks great in flashes. Like he looks like a guy who could be the best tackle in the class in flashes, but the problem is it's flashes and then it comes back down to earth. Okay. And the first two days of practice, I don't even think he necessarily looked good. Like I think that he was struggling, but today... I mean, I, I think some of the top prospects were saying 
I'm leaving a lasting impression today, and I'm bringing it all out here. And he did that. He was one of my highest rated players on the national side today. That's awesome. I mean, Jacob, I'll ask you this before. So first of all, I know you got stuck in Dallas. That really sucks. But it does mean (laughs) that here on Senior Bowl Day 3, you get fresh eyes. And before you list the guys that you feel like you you saw distinguish themselves on this team, I do want to ask you, as we talk through – Everything going on uh, within this offensive line, like group, you make it sound like there's tons of guys, Quentin, that, I mean, round one, round two, round three, like, Jacob, we're just talking senior bowlers. We're not even looking at any of the juniors that I'm sure have distinguished themselves, like Broderick Jones. And in these two teams alone, not to pull from the American team too quickly, it feels like there's a lot of really good players. Is this normal? Like, is there normally this many uh, interior and exterior offensive linemen that distinguish themselves like they have, and it's just quite common to have tackle classes this deep? Or, I mean, where's your head at with this offensive line class? Yeah, so I think that as we've seen in recent years, you see, you know, you see good talent at the offensive line position, but I feel like to this level of depth is kind of rare, right? especially from a day two perspective of guys, you know, might not go round one, but guys that I think eventually, whether it's in year one or down the line, could be long-term starters. And as it stands right now, as I pull up my handy dandy uh, rankings right now, I, so I have nine offensive tackles that I could see realistically going within the first two days. That's and crazy. Th- that's just tackles alone. That's not including you know, guards or centers, you know, and, and, and at that point the list expands itself. But I think it's a really good class that is, uh, at least from what we've seen from a senior bowl perspective, I know, uh, Quentin, you mentioned Jalen Duncan is a really interesting guy because he's as raw as the day is long, but he's super athletic. He's got long arms. He's got tools. And I feel like if a team says, all right, we can develop this guy, then someone's going to take a shot on him because he, you're looking at more physical upside with him than, say, someone like a like a Jarrett Patterson type right. where, mm-hmm. you know, Patterson might have a little bit of a higher floor. I mean, especially if you have him at center. You know, I definitely agree. I'm keeping him at center. That's where my evaluation is on him. Uh, so, you know, hearing you say that, you know, Patterson was markedly better – as a center, that doesn't come as necessarily a surprise. Uh, but Duncan, there's a lot of fluctuation there on tape or in terms of long-term variance, but I think that the tools are there for him to succeed with the right situation, with the right coaching. Uh, it, it was a good performance from him. I, I think that he you know, looked the part. Uh, thinking of other offensive linemen, I'm really interested in seeing I, – I mean, I think Cody Malk – uh, some people like I, at first I had him as an offensive tackle. I saw the measurement came in just over 32 inch arms. You know, that's on the shorter end of the spectrum for an offensive tackle. They're practicing him a lot at guard. I I'm moving him at guard going forward. Uh, I'm just assuming that's where the league has him. I was personally torn between, all right, he plays tackle in college. Could he be a guard? And then now seeing the league has him, I'm like, all right, well, they know better than I do. So <laughs> I have him at guard. Uh, but I think with Malk, you're looking at obvious potential down the line. And, you know, he's a bit of an older prospect, but you're looking at a very good athlete for the position. I mean, we saw he had his uh, 
like a crop top sort yeah. of jersey. He had the belly hanging out. Not a ton of fat on him, honestly, for you know a guy who's that big. Uh, you know, very good athlete, moves well. Very, you watch on tape. You know, accelerates to the second level very well. Effective down blocker, all that good stuff. And he's nasty. And I think that you see something. I mean, it's a bit of a different skill set, a bit of a different frame. But I look at like a Tevin Jenkins from what you've seen from a Bears perspective. You look at someone, Malk has a lot of the same strengths and weaknesses to me that Jenkins has. They're not the same like body type and they're not the exact same player, but it, there's a similar enough translation where I see Jenkins looking much better at guard than he did at tackle. And that makes me feel a little bit more comfortable saying, okay, I think Cody can make the switch to guard here. So I feel like it was, you know, nice to see him getting some positional versatility, got some snaps at center as well, which, you know, surprised me, but uh, he held his own. So there's obviously going to be a learning curve for him at a new position, and he had some ups and downs, but I think that the flashes we saw were, you know, certainly intriguing, and I think he looked the part of, you know, one of, if not the top small school prospect in this class. Who else stood out to you on day two, Jacob? Uh, so, you know, there are a handful of guys that Quinn mentioned that, you know, I have to agree with. Uh, so I'm trying to think here. I know I shouldn't like Ivan Pace Jr. I'll just say that. I, I know I shouldn't. Logic indicates, look, here's a guy who's barely 5'10". He's got short arms. He's like he's like my height. I the mean, linebacker, right? Yeah, the linebacker out of Cincinnati. Yeah, I should clarify. Uh, and I don't know how often he plays defense at the next level. Uh, I think he's going to make a killing on special teams. I'm just going to say that. Uh, and I think that if you have him you know, as a, a quality backup, I think he'll put up tackle numbers. I think he'll be a good blitzer, maybe not as efficient as he was in college, which is absurdly efficient. But you're still looking at a guy who the way he uses his hands and his arsenal as a pass rusher is, you know, you rarely see something that polished as an off-ball linebacker. And when they were doing the one-on-ones in pass pro with the running backs, I mean, Ivan Pace was just dominating everybody. And you saw that on tape and sure he might not be the most explosive guy. He's a solid athlete, but I think he wins with a lot of effort. He's just a grinder type of guy. Uh, I mean, he kind of has to be because, you know, he's not the biggest player on the football field. So just watching him use his hands and watching how hard he plays, uh, it can be kind of tough to determine linebacker play at a place like the senior bowl where, you know, you don't get to tackle, you know, full on uh, really. So, but what I saw from Ivan Pace was certainly intriguing. And I came in with like, I think like a round four on him. Mm -hmm. I think that's about fair. Uh, Personally, you know, not a day one starter in the NFL by any means, but I do think he's someone you bring in as depth, someone you bring in as an immediate special teams contributor. Uh, And I was impressed. I felt pretty justified in my evaluation of him uh, from a strengths and weaknesses perspective. Now it's just a matter of does the way that I value those strengths and weaknesses 
uh, vary from how other people do. Right. And I mean, especially the Bears in this case. And yeah. you know, it's funny because Jacob Bears fans that are listening to this might look at linebacker and think that any old linebacker can blitz the passer. I mean, at this point, like the Bears have had so many good blitzing linebackers, some even where it's the only thing they're particularly good at. I mean, from Nick Kwiatkowski to Roquan Smith to Kevin Pierre-Lewis to Danny Trevathan to uh, at now Jack Sanborn. I mean, the Bears have had some line Backers that are crazy blitzers. And then I watched the only other real standout to me at linebacker, uh, DeMarvion Overshone out of Texas. <laughs> he is a terrible pass rusher. I mean, <laughs> like, it's not that I think that that drops him down the board. It's more that this isn't a skill set that everybody has. But I got to tell you, every time I see number two, uh, for those who obviously don't have a picture in their minds, we're talking about somebody who's an inch taller than every other linebacker, moves just as quickly, and has arms that hang just about to his knees. Long. Very, very floose-type linebacker. And if I didn't think they were going to sign a linebacker in free agency, because goodness knows they have the money, DeMarvion Overshone would make a lot of sense in the third, maybe as high as the second round, but I, I don't know. It's trouble because he's as raw as he is, but he could easily be a coverage Mike-esque linebacker in college. But I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, so I think you hit the nail on the head with DeMarvion Overshone and just a lengthy guy, arms, you know, insanely long, you know, a super lanky dude. Uh, I think he's got, you know, a lot of room to fill out his frame. I uh, measured in at, you know, just over six foot two and 220 pounds. Mm -hmm. So, you know, for a linebacker, that frame, you still have room to add on weight. And I expect that he will at the next level. Just, you know, loose athlete. Uh, I think that he showed some promise as a blitzer in college, but I don't think that's as much off a of power right. of anything. It's just more length and athleticism. Uh, I think that, you know, if he's going to succeed in that role at the next level, then he's going to have to put on weight. And that's just, you know, the reality of the situation. Right. Uh, I, just athleticism, I think, is the big thing with him. And maybe he's not the most developed from an instinctual perspective, uh, but I think that the physical tools you're working with, the motor, uh, certainly intriguing. Like you mentioned, he's mm -hmm. an Eberflus linebacker. And I, I'm i probably going to have him on like that fringe day two, day three sort of thing. Like all off traits too. Right? Exactly, yeah. Because like the tape isn't amazing from like a football player perspective, but purely from what he can become, I think someone's going to take a shot on him uh, relatively early. We're not talking like round one here, maybe even round two, but I th they could use some, you know, invest some decent draft capital in them. I think some team's going to be willing to do that. Mm -hmm. I, I, I tend to agree. I think it'll be really interesting to see how the Bears handle linebacker. I mean, is Jack Sanborn your deadlock starter? I don't know. He had as good a rookie UDFA campaign as I think you're going to get. But uh, it, I don't know. We'll just have to see. Bobby Okariki's a free agent. He worked with the Colts forever. That makes a lot of sense to me. I want to say real quick, and some people might hate me for this. <laughs> uh, I re for, so first, I should say I really liked what Jack Sanborn showed as a rookie. But that doesn't mean that I'm not bringing in significant value at linebacker if possible. Uh, because one – there are other linebackers on the field. You need to upgrade that position. And two, when I look at 
Sanborn, obviously very good rookie year. I was very impressed with what I saw from him. You know who else I said that about? An undrafted guy in his first year playing, and then they gave him this starting position without any competition, and he didn't do well, is Sam Mustafer. Oh, no. <laughs> You're going yeah, there. <laughs> I'm going there. I, I went there. Uh, but, I mean, and to, to be fair, I'll say uh, Sam Mustafer is not going to hear this, and he you know, blocked me, so he's not going to see any of my tweets. But I think he, you know, he did better down the stretch, but still not, you know bona fide NFL starter level. Right. But anyway, I think the Bears should invest in linebacker this offseason. Maybe not like to the level of like a you know a twenty million type of guy that they would have, you know, had to sign Roquan Smith to, but you know, a, a decent starter that you could get like Bobby Okariki, I think you could get for gosh, maybe less than ten million a year. Right. And I'd I'd rather have that value uh, than like a Roquan at 20 million. And that's just me. You know, you guys feel free to disagree sure. if you want to, but uh, I feel like the gap and especially at a linebacker position isn't massive enough and they have the money so they can afford to pay guys, but I'd rather pay, I'd rather pay like seven, 8 million to a good starter mm-hmm. at linebacker than pay double that for a great starter when Honestly, that money could be better used somewhere else. I think the interesting piece when it comes to the Bears this season is in 2024, I would book them for DeMarvion Overshone. In 2023, I feel like they've got so many holes on the offensive and defensive line that I just I tend to think they're not going to have enough picks to where Overshone makes sense because he's it's not that he's a depth linebacker. It's that, like you're saying, I mean, Sanborn exists right on that line of we can play him if we if if that's how it works. And I feel like linebacker, I don't know if it's a low investment position for them, but I don't know if they're going to go free agent and linebacker immediately given the holes that they have across the roster. Yeah, and I don't think they're going to go like round one linebacker. No. I remember we saw that uh, that mock draft that had the Bears trading down and taking Trenton Simpson. I love Trenton Simpson. I love Trenton Simpson, but no, right? I, I don't think that we're talking about that level of investment at linebacker this offseason. And speaking of investment overall, just to finish out the first practice, talk a, bit, a little bit about the corners and the wide receivers. I can move through this fairly quickly because a lot of it is the same news, but more of the same. Practice day three, like Q said, was a, a little strange in terms of its intensity. I mean, it kind of feel felt like the players, I would say, gave effort for like 45 minutes, uh, and they did a lot of installs and a lot of special teams. And hey, there's nothing wrong with that. It is a football practice. As far as the corners went, I really liked what we saw out of Caillou Blue Kelly today. Uh, If the Bears did go corner, I actually think that would make sense. Uh, I've been watching a lot of these corners, and I think a late day two or an early day three corner that could potentially pick up a starting role instead of or compete with Kendall Vildor will make sense. So whether that's a Darius Rush or a Caillou Blue Kelly, somebody with a little bit of length that fits in that cover two, cover one, cover three system that they really like to run that would basically be like a better version of Jalen Jones, I could see it. It's going to depend on how many picks they have. Correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't Blue Kelly a guy that kind of won you over this week? He is. I mean, I would say Darius Rush and K. Blue Kelly, like, I made the mistake of watching uh, some corners that I thought were mid-rounders because I didn't check any draft grades before I started watching tape. So I watched Devin Witherspoon and went, he looks pretty good. And then I watched guys like Darius Rush and K. Blue Kelly and said, Uh, you know, they don't look so great. And then I watch more corners and realize very quickly, Witherspoon's first rounder. 
And that means that the guy, the other guys I'm watching, if they weren't that far behind, then they're in pretty good company. And so, I mean, this is the mistake you make when you start with the guys you're most excited about, and that's Jackson Smith, Jigba, Jordan Addison, and a bunch of wide, run one, round one wide receivers, and try to picture some of these corners against Justin Jefferson. But welcome to the league, Rook, right? And so... I do think Caillou Blue Kelly won me over a little bit. I think Riley Moss had his best day today. It's not that he's been fading into the background, but I do think he had to catch up a little bit to the level of play. It doesn't help anything that two of the most dominant receivers have been in this group, and they've been playing better and better every day. Jaden Reed has been awesome. Uh, he, he, had, he wasn't as loud as Michael Wilson was today, who looked really, really strong. Left his hands in the locker room a little bit, but I'll take drops if a guy can get open, especially when they're as big as Wilson is. Wilson, in fact, is starting to really challenge where I think he ought to go because originally I had him as an almost lock at round four. I mean, when you play 25% of the football games allotted to you in 20 or in two full years, it's a pretty big concern, but it's tough to move like he's moving at any size. It's really tough to do it at almost 6'2 and almost 220. So it, I'm very curious to see where he's going to go. His traits alone may drive him up the board, but it, it's been a really good group the safety uh, safety wise i've never mentioned jl skinner i'm not a huge uh, fan of the boise state safety but he did absolutely blow up davis allen today uh at or like on one of the one-on-ones and i don't think he's a cover two fit i'm not even sure the bears are going to be looking at safety like sid brown's a great player but he's going to go too high for where the bears are going to be but he had an impressive day too but I don't know. Lot, there's a lot from the wide receivers and the DBs. It's just going to be a matter of whether one of them is is honestly good enough to rise into the range where he's an, a weapon for the Bears instead of just becoming another depth piece. Yeah, and I, I want to point out real, one thing about uh, Sid Brown that you mentioned. This seems like a, a bit of a lazy comparison at, at first, uh, but I look at some, have hit him. Blah! I can't speak. Uh, him having a little bit of a uh, you know a similar impact to Kirby Joseph, mm-hmm. uh, you know fellow Illinois safety. I look at you know pretty similar skill sets. I think that you know Sidney Brown, he's versatile. He's intelligent in coverage. He's I think he's more fluid than he is fast, but he's still you know quick enough. Uh, don't know exactly how fast he's going to test, but I think the game speed is a lot more important in my opinion. And watching him on film, like he knows what he's doing out there, and you know he's got the ball skills, he's got the mentality to attack the ball. Uh, so I, I think you're looking at a lot of similarities to Kirby Joseph, and he had a very good rookie year with the Lions. So I'm interested in seeing where Sidney Brown ends up. Not a guy for the Bears just because the need's not there, but. Very good player, and I think it's. Uh, I'll just do one quick thing. I think it's funny you bring up Riley Moss, and he's an interesting prospect to me. One because, uh, well, there's one, an elephant in the room, uh, you know, white corner, uh, and I, you know, because of that, I feel like you know people are moving him to safety. I think he's more than athletic enough to play corner level, and uh, you know, he's someone he accepted a Senior Bowl invite last year, but he decided to stay in school for another year. Uh, of course, you know, Robert, you watched a lot more of him mm-hmm. than I did, you know, especially over the last few days here at the Senior Bowl. Uh, 
But I think, you know, from a length and athleticism perspective, he, he looked to me like he more than belonged. Oh, his oh, or his Iowa tape is really, really nice. I mean, if anything, I actually think the biggest problem was was that Jaden Reed and Michael Wilson came into this process as late, late day two guys, best case scenario, and they started doing so well. It made the corners look flat bad. I mean, going back to our podcast we did a couple days ago, that I said that. I said mm-hmm. these national corners don't look good. But like we talked about with Wanya Morris the same episode sometimes you got to give flowers to the guy on the other side and you realize that maybe this player is playing really well and these corners are still showing you something they're just going up against really talented players Riley Moss I think started to adjust the game speed a little bit with a lot of these guys and in particular I mean Jacob he could easily be a round four round five guy for the Bears because he's got a nice length for his size he could fit in a cover two system solid hands good zone eyes comes from a great DB program in Iowa but that's that's all going to get sorted out of the draft. National practice was, I think, great overall, but I can't wait to talk about the American. So let's give the sponsor their word, and then we'll be right back. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we are back with Building the Board. I'm here with Jacob Infante, Quentin Crisco, and myself, Robert Schmitz. Now we're going to go over the American side of day two at the Senior Bowl. And Jacob, here, what? obviously your first day, fresh eyes, who stuck out? So, uh, thank you. You're handing the, uh, you know, the roster sheet over. <laughs> I, you know, it, it, everything just blends together. But, uh, no, uh, I think that there were... I was especially intrigued by the offensive line, and when I looked at the American class, uh, I thought that was the strength of this group. It's a very talented group. I'd argue more so than the uh, the national, at least on paper. Uh, I think the offensive line, a lot of guys looked solid. I think Darnell Wright looked pretty good. Uh, Matthew Bergeron, you know, Quentin, you mentioned him earlier. I think he did a really good job, especially in the one-on-ones. Uh, you know, from a quickness, from a power perspective, he more than held his own. Uh, John Michael Schmitz, I was interested in seeing. Uh, admittedly, didn't see as much of him as I would have liked to, but he looked smooth. And I think especially on those uh, like those stunt drills that we saw, which, you know, that's new to me from a Senior Bowl perspective. I haven't seen that at the Senior Bowl. So that's, uh, you know, really cool they did that. Uh, it just looks very coordinated, and I think that's one thing about uh, John Michael Schmitz uh, more than anything. Like he's a he's a good athlete. I don't think he's going to test incredibly well. I just think he's more coordinated than anything else. And honestly, for an offensive lineman, I think that's just as important, if not even more so, than right. how you test. Uh, 
just because you're looking at a guy who can block well on the move. He can you know work across his body well to pick up stuns, delayed blitzes, whatever comes his way, finding work. Uh, and I think we saw it today. Uh, so from an offensive line perspective, that's a dude that really stood out to me. Uh, I want to mention going to the defensive side of the ball uh, in the secondary. There are two guys that really stood out on the American team. And that's uh, Christopher Smith, the safety out of Georgia, and Darius Rush, the corner out of South Carolina. Uh, I was really impressed with Christopher Smith, especially when he had those one-on-ones. You know, we've said before, it's tougher for safeties to be in that sort of environment against wide receivers, but he more than held his own. You know, he was fluid, he was crisp coming out of his breaks, you know, good route anticipation. Uh, and just a scrappy guy. He's mm-hmm. not the biggest. He's not the lengthiest. He's not the strongest. But he more than held his own. And I was really impressed with that. And Darius Rush, uh, I think he took advantage of the fact, you know, no Tyreek Stevenson, who, you know, by, you know, listening to you guys was very good in those first two days, you know, before he decided, you know, he didn't play in this game or in this practice, rather. Uh, Darius Rush really took advantage of that. He got a lot more reps. Uh, another guy, like I looked at him, I saw, okay, this is a lengthy physical boundary corner, but what else? And I did see a little bit more fluidity from him today than I saw on his tape. So that's encouraging. That's Mm -hmm. encouraging. And when you see something from a player that you haven't seen on tape, especially in a situation that's not too kind to defensive backs, uh, that definitely stands out. So I'm going to have to go back and, you know, watch a little bit more of Rush because he was a guy really... Uh, intrigued me and he looked the part out there especially against a a talented group of wide receivers right I think one thing that really stands out with Rush is okay so I thought this was a problem in his Stanford tape he's a bit of a pitch guesser right like he he gets or he takes a guess as to what route is coming at him and if he's wrong he gets burnt uh, and that happened in Stanford a couple times. It actually happened today, John, or Jonathan well, uh, Domingo. South Carolina, sorry. But oh, say, thank no, you. No, no, you're you. good. Yeah, because I know we were talking about uh, I got Q Caillou, Blue yeah. and, uh, and him confused. Yeah, thank yeah, yeah. you. The Gamecock. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but so he like he can make some really nice plays. And honestly, he showed zone-esque instincts. And he's more of a man corner, at least by his length. So I, I feel like Rush deserves his flowers. He took advantage of the uh, extra reps that he was able to get with a couple guys bowing out. Because, I mean, Julius Brents had a sweet pass breakup in early one-on-ones. And that was enough for him. He did not play for the rest of the day. So it's like he got plenty of time out there. And I feel like he looked good. In the overwhelming majority of it, kudos to him. Wrapping up receiver really, really quickly. I thought Rashi Rice had his best day so far. I really, I'm starting to believe that he does not belong as an outside receiver, based on especially the recent Senior Bowl measurements and what we're seeing just as he handles contact. But he or he had a couple reps against nickel corners where he was able to blast through LSU's Jay Ward without really any issue. And he's got, believe it or not, so they gave us a. Uh, like a QR code that lets us see Zebra Technologies player chip technology, which is uh, measuring everything from acceleration to top speed and all kinds of other information that we may or may not link. I, I haven't figured it out yet. But uh, the one of the things that was in there that I thought was really interesting is that Rashi Rice leads the Senior Bowl with explosive, they called it like explosive moments. Uh, so that's acceleration and deceleration. He seems like he's got inside quickness, but not overall top speed, which has 
me wondering what he might look like as a power slot. So if the Bears don't get, say, a Jackson Smith Jigba or somebody that they want to play in the slot, maybe Rashi Rice is somebody they target a little bit later. But there's a lot of sweet receivers in this class. Dontavian Wicks looked solid, but solid in a day three kind of way. Yeah. Uh, I feel like X Hutchinson had a good day, but he and Mingo both look like clear Z receivers, and this isn't a great theater for that. You know, a bunch of one-on-ones. They're more team drill kinds of guys. But overall, I feel like this corner class is shaping up to be really something fun. Um, and the, honestly, wide receiver DB was a little more the same than it has been. Yeah, no, and I wanted to ask both of you guys something real quick because, you know, like we've said, uh, this is my first day. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I want to bring up Andre Yoshivas, mm-hmm. uh, the receiver out of Princeton, because I came here like he's the guy – in the wide receiver room, I was the most interested in because it's an FCS guy. You know, how is he going to do against better competition? He's this side speed freak. You know, how is he going to fare, you know, in one-on-ones and whatnot? At least today, he didn't necessarily stand out to me in a, you know, a positive way. Uh, I mean, obviously the tools are there, but I feel like there's still a bit of room to improve as a route runner. I feel like he doesn't necessarily know exactly all the nuances of how to sell different concepts, you know, head fakes, body fakes, what have you, uh, you know, and, and just like that subtle thing of attacking leverage points through your stems. So I'm just curious what you guys thought about Yoshivas because uh, you know, he's someone I'm high on. He's someone that I think just because of upside alone, I'd be willing to take a shot on probably earlier than most. But, yeah, your thoughts. Well, we're talking about a guy. Uh, Q, did you watch Yosivas much? I just watched some one-on-ones on day two, I believe it was, and that was really it. And he looked he looked really good in the one-on-ones without any press coverage. And, uh, Robert, I know you mentioned later when the press coverage came, and I'll <laughs> let you take over. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> the trouble with Yosivas is that we're talking about a former track star. If you go to look for his 24-7 profile, you're going to find him as a trackster. Like, I actually have no idea when he started playing football. Jacob, do you know? Off the top of my head, I'm not sure. But I know he's got the multi-sport background from you mm-hmm. know high school and obviously very accomplished track athlete. Right. I, I have no idea when he started playing. Payne Durham, for instance, only started playing football when he was uh, a senior in high school. So not all of these guys that are competing for NFL eligibility have the long historic careers. And his lifetime against Ivy League corners is clearly showing itself with NFL corners that are much more skilled and much longer than uh, a lot of the guys that he's used to. I feel like one of the other things about Yoshivas that's going understated is that in terms of polish, he couldn't have less. I mean, we're talking about a guy who I don't feel like has figured out how to run at that 90% speed that you see so commonly in the NFL, Jacob, where he's running his vertical stem almost as fast, but maybe not quite the same. For him, right now, it's closer to 65-70%, and even then, he's not getting in and out of his breaks as fast as maybe you'd like him to, though obviously it's tougher when you're 6'3", and so on and so forth. Yeah, so I'd like to add just as a little bit of context. So I pulled up my notes here when I was watching Yoshivas. Uh, He's an all-American heptathlete, so the heptathlon. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't even know what the hept... Is a prefix, pre- pre- prefix for is it seven? Like it, it, I, 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 I don't know. I'm, <laughs> I'm blanking on that. But he ran the fastest ever sixty meter in the heptathlon in the 2022 NCAA Indoor Championships, and he was a three time Ivy League champion heptathlete. Right. So you know that's obviously going to show that he's 
very fast, uh, you know, to put it bluntly. Uh, and that length and that speed is, you know, obviously going to entice some teams, I think, in a similar way to Christian Watson. I think you're also looking at a similar situation where, you know, maybe a little bit lanky. I think you can add, you know, a little bit more bulk to that frame to really, you know, hone your craft in those, you know, tight windows, whether it's the 50-50 ball or in just across the middle of the field, like on slants or something, and you're trying to make that contested grab. Uh, I think there's room for Yoshivas to continue to get better. Uh, and like you mentioned, I think so many nuances to, you know, route running, adjusting the speed and the tempo that he has in his stems uh, really could go a long way. And being a little bit taller, it can be tougher for him to come out of his breaks. But, man, I, it's all upside. It's all upside with him. Oh, and, and it's got to be all upside. Absolutely. I mean, putting it putting it really lightly, I mean, I, again, I, I'm just trying to report the facts, ma'am. And at least what I saw on like in through three days of practice is that especially day two, it seemed as if the corners kind of figured him out, like they solved him a little bit because they were able to slow him with or like with a little bit of press man coverage. But catch man is a real problem for him. And for those who don't know, press man is when you're lined up directly across the line of scrimmage. Catch man is when you engage the man at the point of their stem, so five to ten yards downfield. You've seen it forever, and it looks like a DB getting run into and then suddenly engaging his hands and running with the receiver it feels like Yoshivas is winning more on accident than on purpose like he's winning maybe one in three of his one-on-ones and like you're saying tons of potential there just because how many guys are that size 6'3 and threaten to break the 40 record which he very well may do but at the same time this is a perfect perfect illustration Jacob of why we talk about game speed yeah right because right now I feel like he's really struggling to translate his track speed to the football field and that's okay he's got time 100% and I just want to point out one last thing this is my 40-yard dash prediction for Andre Yoshivas. Uh, I don't do this very often because it often, you know, would make me look stupid because of how much variance there is, but 428. Oh my gosh. That's what I think he's going to run. 428. I'm sticking with it. That is absolutely crazy. I feel like uh, some of these other receivers, yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting to watch the actual game because... 11 on 11 reps even in a two minute drill setting are just not that great when the defenders are playing two touch but a lot to like from the receiver and corner class from this group though Q I really want to give you the mic because there's a <laughs> lot of these American offensive linemen let alone the defensive linemen yeah. that are flat shining I mean so I'll start with a few guys who you know if you've listened to the show you're not a stranger to these guys and I'm just going to say their name and move on Will McDonald he's looked awesome Darnell Wright He's looked like exactly how he's supposed to look, exactly what a first-round pick looks like. Matt Bergeron, like Jacob already mentioned, and JMS have both looked very good. JMS has actually probably won me over here at the Senior Bowl. Um, And then one last guy, Wanya Morris, who, if you've listened to the show, you've heard me just talk a ton about already so i won't i won't take your y'all's ear off jake do you do you want something to add on wanya all i wanted to say is that's a chicago bear right there that's what i was saying i mean every time i look over i see a lot of these tackles that okay so there's more ryan hayes out here big long guys right uh dewan jones uh darnell wright where um phenomenal tackles especially for more pocket oriented teams but wanya morris comes in and has the gall to show right tackle and left tackle flexibility and he He's a mover. 
Like, in an offense that's trying to pull their tackles all the time, I mean, especially pull their guards, right? I, I really feel like he's a guy you're looking at saying, okay, when can I get him? Because there's a big, long line of tackles, and I don't know where he fits into it, but he might be the best scheme fit that still has the length to play tackle. Because, yeah. I mean, a lot of our favorite guys at tackles yeah. <laughs> look yeah. better yeah. guard right now. Yeah, and I mean, so... Ultimately, with him, like a lot, a lot of, or with offensive tackles in general, and offensive line in general, really, a lot of what I look for is just it's a smoothness, it's a control. You are always in control of what's happening, and even when even when you're looking on your bad reps, there is losing bad and being out of control, and losing bad and looking calm and controlled throughout it, and. Morris on his tape did not look as controlled as he has here this week. And it it basically what I'm trying to say is it looks like he is getting better every time he's stepping on the football field. And that is a huge trait to me. That is like this guy, I think he's coachable. I think he's learning. I think he's progressing. And that that's the type of thing that can really get you excited about a prospect. Yeah. And I will point out because, you know, I definitely agree with what you said about Morris with, you know, the athleticism and the body control. I I went to go check my, uh, like my grades where I'm at right now because truthfully until, uh, until like all the combine numbers come in, uh, this is solely just off of film and, you know, whatever I can find from an advanced analytics perspective. But Morris, I gave an above average athleticism grade to, but a below average body control grade to. So it's a matter of, yes, you know, that initial burst in his first step is impressive. Yes, he can climb to the second level. Yes, he can pull. Uh, It's just a matter of getting that coordination under control. And I think pad level is a big part of it. You get your weight underneath you. It's easier to, you know, have control over your movements. And I think that's an area where Morris struggles. But you're right. I think he did look better in that regard. And I'm really excited by him. I think he's one of the guys – in this offensive tackle class, yeah, I don't think he's going to get picked in the first two rounds, maybe not in the first three, but he's someone I'm taking a shot on. The length, the athleticism, the room to grow, I'm, I was really impressed with what I saw from him, and I think if you're looking purely from a Chicago perspective, he's someone I'm taking a shot on, kind of in the mold of a Braxton Jones, where he's got the length, he's got the athleticism, it's just a matter of does he know how to use it? And, you know, Braxton being a fifth-round rookie starting at left tackle, uh, who knows? Maybe in the right situation, Wanya Morris could end up being, you know, a decent enough starter right away, even with his technical flaws. Yeah. And then so to get to a few of these guys who have not been touched on yet, the former number one overall defensive tackle in the 2019 recruiting class, Zach Pickens out of South Carolina, he had a monster day. Um, I mean, there were, there was a play where in, in nine on seven where he was in the backfield before the ball had even been handed off. I mean, he just flew by his guy. It was very impressive. He was just on display. I think I think I said this during the national portion. The talent was showing out today. The, the, the top guys were saying, I'm leaving a good impression. And that's what Zach Pickens was doing. He was leaving that impression. Q, you have me wondering what NFL scouts are going to think. Because let's be honest, right? These uh, these NFL coaches, 
all of them think that they're a better coach than whoever <laughs> coached these college kids, right? You wouldn't be an NFL coach if you didn't believe in yourself. And so you tell me he was the number one DT co- prospect coming out. You tell me he had the fabulous senior bowl that I know he had. I mean, when I'm looking over and I see a one-on-one with Zach Pickens and JMS, and JMS <laughs> loses pretty clean, mm-hmm. it's not even a black mark on JMS. Pickens has just been popping off. Yeah. But I know he struggled in college. Or not struggled. But the, the big comment about him is that he didn't live up to expectations. I mean, I, tell me if I'm picking up the wrong story here. But I feel like if I was Matt Eberflus, I'd be like, yeah, his college coaches screwed him up. I won't screw him up. Like, is that the story you're starting to see? Where do you think he's picked it up at the Senior Bowl? What's made the change? It's the Luke Getzey effect. Oh, come on. (laughs) (laughs) Do you see anything different in his game? Is he attacking people a little bit differently? What's going on? Honestly, I don't see much different from his his good reps at South Carolina. You know, it's it's just been more consistent here. Especially today, it was more consistent. Um, So, what does that mean? I mean... Was he asked to do too much of South Carolina? I don't know. It's one of the things I need to go back and look at now that I've seen what he's done here at the Senior Bowl. Was he, you know, how much, how many snaps a game was he playing versus the total snaps? You know, what was the percentage there? Was he gassed half the time? Like, what, I'm not exactly sure what the difference was, but it's something I need to go find out because it, the talent's there. That, that much is clear. And another guy that, really stood out to me today specifically is the Byron Youngs. Both of them. <laughs> We're talking Tennessee and Alabama defensive line. Uh, the Tennessee Byron Young, that's edge rusher. The Alabama Byron Young, that's defensive tackle. The Tennessee iteration of this individual. He just <laughs> he just looked explosive and, explosive and bendy today. Explosive, bendy, and he just... His get-off was really nice, and he flashed uh, yesterday some, but it was more consistent today, and if I'm being honest, he was a guy I didn't notice all that much in the first two days, but today I was noticing a lot more. Um, Now, the Alabama iteration here on the interior is another guy who I I really wasn't noticing all that much day one. Day two, I was noticing for some of the wrong reasons. Um, but day three here, he really evened that out, and he had a lot of a lot of flashes and a few plays where it was like, I don't know about that. But it was it was just nice to see something out of someone who you're. I was coming into here saying, I think he might just be a guy, and now I'm saying there might be a little more there after seeing those flashes. Um, now. On to some of the offensive linemen here. Osiris Torrance was ripping run lines open today. Um, and he did yesterday as well. The first day, he I really didn't think he was all that impressive. But second and third day, especially the third day here, he was ripping open some run lines. There's still some questions that I have with his pass blocking um, and his mobility, really. But his, his power as a run blocker is real, and it is on display. I think you put Osiris Torrance in like a gap scheme. I think he's just gosh, a monster. I think might just be the best run blocking, maybe general blocker in this class. Not only interior, not only at guard. Uh, 
but 100% agree. You know, he's I don't know if he's going to be the best fit in every scheme. Probably not the best fit yeah. for the Bears, that's for sure. But and I, I absolutely agree. I thought that he just looked more powerful than everyone he was going up against. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's encouraging to hear that, you know, he's developed and improved over the last couple days. Uh, because I, I came away with the same conclusion that, you know, especially, you know, in those team drills, he was just moving guys around. Yeah. And then uh, one last guy I got marked down here is Nick Broker out of Ole Miss, offensive guard. And he he surprised me a little on day one. Because watch, when I watched his film coming in here, I I, I just thought he's, he's another mid-round guard that, you know, might be able to be serviceable. And he, he showed me more than I expected as far as just being generally sound all around. And... He, he his flashes his flashes I mean it's they're not super huge but it's just he is so consistent he is consistently doing his job which at the end of the day is what you want your line to do you know I mean the the blow up blocks are great you'd love to see a guy just destroy someone and rip open a run lane but if a guy's just consistently doing his job all the time he's probably the better overall player. And that's what I saw in Nick Broker today and really for the week was this guy just does his job a lot of the time, most of the time. And that that's something that I'm willing to go take a deeper look at now and look at, you know, maybe I need 10 games on him instead of four because just to see – does he mess up at the lowest rate of all the guys out here? Like, because, you know, it's it's kind of a flaw where in, in any grading system where you're looking for dominant and good plays. But a guy who is fine to good all the time is valuable. I mean, it's so funny you mentioned that, Q, because, like, I'm looking at your note sheet, and I, I almost wish I could, you could just publicize this. <laughs> Maybe you'll find a way for it. But you did pluses and minuses for functionally every snap that somebody took. Yeah. And what's interesting is that while there are some of these guys that are, say, plus 11, that also means that they've got more reps than somebody like Nick Broker, which has me wondering – Well, sorry, go ahead. It was me wondering who at the Senior Bowl did mess up at the lowest rate yeah. instead of having these – Pops and nopes, because to use an example, Tevin Jenkins, Jacob, I feel like he looked like the best lineman the Bears had when he wasn't messing up. And when he did, he looked like an offensive lineman with back problems. Like, he seemed like a guy that flitted between the worst of the Bears' offensive line and the best of the Bears' offensive line. And I have a lot of hope for him. I mean, the the, the good was too good, right? But he's coming off of a neck injury, so I mean, like... Truly, on this Bears offensive line, when you're looking at maybe the most countable future piece is Brexton Jones, I like to think all options are on the table as far as getting Justin Fields an offensive line. No, 100%. And I'm really interested, you know, you brought up Nick Broker, uh, and I, I came away with the same conclusion that he doesn't have what I like to call like an alpha trait. That's something, you know, that kind of separates him from the rest of the class like an Andre Yoshivas, the fact that his size and speed, you know, that's an alpha trait. Nick Broker, I don't think really has that, but he's steady, he's solid, he's technically sound, maybe not the best athlete, maybe not the biggest guy, maybe not the strongest guy, but he does a lot of the little things well. And I got curious, so I went and I pulled up uh, Pro uh, SIS Data Hub, so that's Sports Info Solutions. I'm looking at some of the uh, like points earned per snap. 
Nick Broker was one of the best guards in the nation in regards to, you know, just the EPA and the points above average that he produced. Uh, and, you know, it's just steady. It's just steady with him. And I think that that's a big thing in his game. Again, probably not going to be drafted the highest just because, you know, he doesn't have the highest ceiling. I think he's got a pretty high floor. Yeah. As far as tight ends go, to wrap things up, because uh, it felt like today the glass shattered for me on one of my favorite players. I love Braden Willis. I love his versatility. Today, look, maybe it was just a bad day of practice, but I just have to come to grips with the fact that even at 239, he looks a little slow out there. Jagged in his breaks, sudden movements, but a little slow, which is a bummer. I'm very curious to see whether he's going to recompose his body, how he's going to test uh, like what he looks like when he's at the NFL level. He is an athlete's athlete, but he compared to Will Mallory, who I think looks a little faster than him, Cameron Latu, who looks a lot smoother than him, and Luke Musgrave, who is like, I mean, I can't remember the character, but you and I, Quentin, have just been saying Mighty Ducks 2 the entire like way through the senior bowl because Luke Musgrave is a jet engine in a straight line and really struggles they had some tight end whip routes uh, where a whip route is where the tight end is going to stem forward then hard break to the outside like he's running a flat stop hard and break back into the inside and between these four tight ends Musgraves was easily the worst because he hit the jet so hard on the flat that he just could not bring his feet back under him and couldn't catch his balance to come back on the inside I'm super interested to see where these tight ends go it feels like there's a tight end for everybody you get a tight end you get a tight end you get a tight end but it's it's going to be interesting to see where they ultimately fall yeah i mean i absolutely agree it's a very good class at tight end not just including the top guys looking at from a mid-round perspective you mentioned will mallory cameron lot two uh lot two is a guy you know i thought he looked pretty fluid out there and Mm -hmm. you know that matches the tape it's good to see when you see something on tape you see it at like the senior bowl or some other all-star game and it's like okay now i feel pretty good about saying that because that translates to this scale as well uh, so lot two, maybe not the flashiest day out there, but you know, he proved his strengths to be strengths. Uh, and with Musgrave, I'm really interested to see where he goes because I think he's going to test incredibly well. He's going to be him and Darnell Washington. I know we we're talking about on our way out, Darnell Washington, you know, the Georgia tight end, he, you know, not here, uh, but he's going to test very well. And I think the same goes for Musgrave, who's going to run very fast and from a, from a game speed perspective, he was the fastest tight end at the senior bowl and he has been. Uh, But I think they're just good depth in general. And uh, just regardless of what kind of flavor you want at tight end, uh, I I think you could look at as many as four guys and say, that's the top tight end in this class. Oh yeah. I mean, to use an example, Jacob, like let's take Musgrave Uh, for a team like the bills who runs a ton of vertical concepts. He may be a first round pick. For a team like the Bears, where their tight ends need to block, he may not be on the board. Uh, or at least he may be much further down, because that's not really Musgrave's game. I mean, it's so funny to see the different ways these guys skew. Latu is smooth, but he's not fast. Uh, Braden Willis is violent and versatile, but he's not exactly fast either. Uh, Musgrave is wildly fast, but he's not a great blocker. Mallory is talented at relatively all levels, but he's not an impact guy at either. And then Payne Durham is the most most, uh, I'd say, specialized of specialized, and then he come out and have has his best day as a receiver yet, which is saying something. 
I want to say something just for fun, some comps of those top four tight ends. So Michael Meyer, uh, that's the, probably the toughest one I'd have to think about, but maybe Kyle Rudolph. That, sound, that seems lazy, a golden domer, but I think, you know, from a similar skill position, uh, just the size, the physicality, you know, solid athlete. I think you, that shows up. Darnell Washington, Mercedes Lewis, mm-hmm. like a prime Mercedes Lewis, just a big, big dude. I think he can – maybe not the longevity because Mercedes Lewis has been in the NFL for 50 years, but <laughs> at least from a, a peak perspective, I think Darnell Washington can be a higher value than that. And then Dalton Kincaid, I don't want to say Zach Ertz because I know I saw Daniel Jeremiah say that, but that's probably – I don't know, the best thing I can think of off the top of my head – and then Luke Musgrave, I think, is really going to be interesting because I don't know how many tight ends in the NFL are truly like him right now. Like, I can't say an Evan Ingram because Musgrave's bigger than Ingram and, you know, maybe not as fluid or in terms of, you know, changing direction. But how many tight ends have that speed that Musgrave has? Very few, if any. So that's the one that I'm really coming back to. And I'm like, all right, who's that going to be? Mm-hmm. I'd have to crunch testing numbers. But, I mean, Musgrave is literally too fast for his own good on some of these routes. Like, there there are some, let's call them Jason Witten routes, right, that I just don't know if Musgrave can run. And if he can, he's going to run them at half speed or whatever speed he can manage. But I can't help think if we're going to stretch for comps, I almost feel like a faster version of Dawson Knox or, okay. like, or like a smoother version of Tyler Higby, right? Somebody who maybe able to come across a formation and slash you a sift block, but you're not going to ask him to meet you at the point of the attack and do battle, right? Higby's a guy I actually really like. I think that's a good mm-hmm. comparison mm-hmm. for him. So, one thing I think, like, when you're talking comps with tight ends and, and guys like Kincaid, it's just so hard. Because, like, you're talking, like, like, what are your options here? <laughs> like, <laughs> Travis Kelsey or, like, Zach Ertz. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about Pro Bowl players yeah. and all pros and probable Hall of Famers. Like, I mean, you throw Greg Olson in there maybe, but then that's still, like, that's an extremely yeah. high, high comp. Yeah. And it's just, like, it leaves no middle ground because there just aren't that many pass catchers like that at tight end that you can truly comp to, right? And then, and then the worst part is is that you you look at the guys that are that good, and it's like, okay, what if I said O.J. Howard? People are going to hear bust. And it's yeah. like, O.J. Howard was one of the most athletic tight ends we've seen in an awfully long time. And honestly, Jacob, to this day, I still don't know how it didn't work out. I don't either. I didn't watch enough of you know that era of Tampa Bay Buccaneers football. And right. quite frankly, if you did, one, you're either a Buccaneers fan, or two, you're miserable. Uh, one of the two, but... Yeah, O.J. Howard, that's just an interesting case. I could I could go on about that because I loved him coming out of Alabama, and, and a I, lot of people did. And I mean, of course, dare I bring up everybody's favorite dynasty fantasy darling that has yet to blossom in Kyle Pitts. Like, that's just a hard position to scout. It's a hard position because we don't know George Kittle is going to be the dude until we do. Like, I almost feel like one of the most, or one of the tight ends I'm slowly becoming most confident on in his success is Will Mallory, who is the least outstanding of all of them. But I feel like well-roundedness is something that's really valued at tight end. I mean, for instance, I love Mark Andrews. I could not tell you what Mark Andrews does to get as open as he does, because sometimes it just feels like he's a magician out there. Of course, I mean, I guess 
guess the scouting answer would be extraordinary ability to uh, to basically beat people up physically at the top of his route stem and enough speed and fluidity to punish people when he generates that space. But in theory, there's a lot of tight ends that should be good at doing that, and TJ Hawkinson isn't Mark Andrews. He's just... He's just pretty good at it, right? And so tight end is a position I think is extraordinarily interesting. I think if the Bears can get a sweet one in the fourth or fifth, uh, I know we've bookmarked a lot of positions for the fourth and fifth round, but it's something I've definitely got my eye on because honestly, Jacob, the more that I'm starting to look at some of these guys, the more I wonder whether there's some eye candy out there. Let's use Darnell Washington as an example. So good, so strong, so powerful, so unrefined so far in his routes especially because they have Brock Bowers who can run all the, the hard routes yeah. and so we we don't know maybe he's a pass catching dynamo but would you draft a superstar blocker at 40 and feel good about it because that's what it might take to get one of the most special athletes in the draft and then you don't know if he's actually going to provide you more value than Payne Durham will yeah, so for the Darnell Washington thing I, I'd say one it, it depends obviously who's on the board but two in a vacuum, not knowing who else is available, as a pure 40 overall value, I'd say yes. I'd say yes, and I'd, I'd do that. And that's not me saying Cole Komet's a bad football player. It's not. You know, I think the Bears will extend him. But, man. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Running that, you know, the 12 personnel with Komet and Darnell Washington. Washington's very close to just another offensive tackle out there. And he's a guy who can hurdle people. I mean – Sign me up. Like, I I can't put into words. I don't think the Bears will draft him. I'd be very surprised if they do just, you know, given their other needs elsewhere. But I think he would be a very good fit schematically for what the Bears want out of a tight end. And I'd just say that I'd I'd be happy with the pick. Mm -hmm. Probably, you know. Yeah. Quentin, Quentin on our whole drive down to Mobile, we were making jokes about different uh, about that secret base show, uh, Breaking Madden. Yeah. And Darnell Washington, look, you get a couple players like this every draft where you look at a player like Tyree Wilson is a great example. And you're like, how is a person this big, this fast, <laughs> and, and this fluid? And Darnell Washington, I mean, you hear about a 6'7", 270-pound tight end, and you think, okay, okay, he's got a little baby fat. You know, I hear he's a good blocker. And then you look at him, and he's this lean brick house. That's like outrageously athletic. I mean, he's the kind of guy that visually is going to promise you so much, not unlike Kyle Pitts. And I just, it's, I'm not a hater. I love Darnell Washington. I love Darnell Washington. And I know that there are plenty of these athletes, to use Tyree as a great example, that when you are this athletic, you get drafted high, regardless of what you will actually provide, because somebody thinks they can turn you into the best tight end ever. And the tough part is, from a data perspective, from a trying to be honest with what we're looking at perspective, tight end is just a hard position to project. And I mean, Q, you and I are going to do our best because we've got tight ends on like in the official board piece. But it's definitely one that I look at and I'm like, I think that there are a lot of these guys that people are going to fall in love with. But first round tight ends, I mean, you're looking at Noah Fant stories. You're looking at TJ Hawkinson stories. Good players. But Jay, there's like four really good ones and none of them are first rounders (laughs) exactly like tight end i think is one of the toughest positions to scout from a draft perspective just because you know there's so much variance and there's 
a top tier of tight ends, and then there's a big drop-off. Mm-hmm. There's a tier one, and then there's a tier two. Tier two isn't even that big, and there's a significant drop-off from your Travis Kelsey, your George Kittles, you know, what have you. Uh, and I'm just going to say that tight ends, they're fun to watch. The, the, from, you know, my own perspective, I don't know how accurate I am at scouting them. Like, for one... I feel like my assessment on Cole Komet was, you know, pretty good. I had him, you know, a little bit later than when the Bears actually drafted him. But I said, okay, here's a big, wide tight end, you know, well-rounded, maybe not great at one specific thing, but solid at a decent amount of things. And, you know, so far that's proven to be correct. But I had him behind Bryson Hopkins, who wasn't as big, not as good of a blocker, but I fell in love with the athleticism on tape and I'm like, okay, you know, maybe this guy can be something and it didn't work out. And now I attached part of my brand to liking Bryson Hopkins. So I'm just going to say like, I'm glad I'm not doing tight ends, not because it's not fun because I think you guys are you know going to have a blast with that. But for me personally, I think it's, you know, one of the toughest to project. So mm-hmm. You know, there's just so much – you never really know what those guys are going to turn into really. One thing Q and I talked about yesterday as we were just jawing about tight ends because that's what you do at the Senior Bowl. I was – we basically came to the conclusion that tight end is one of the only positions in the NFL that is almost unilaterally playing at a disadvantage. Like when the tight end's got to block the edge rusher, the edge rusher's better than them. It doesn't really matter who the tight end is. When the tight end has to beat a safety, the safety's faster than them. They have a bigger body, but they're playing from a disadvantage there. When the tight end has to outmuscle a linebacker, the linebacker's faster than them again. When or when they've got to come out of a two point like a three point stance and then accelerate from there, that puts them at a little bit of a disadvantage off the release when a linebacker's sitting over the top of them or a safety. It's a really interesting position because it might be one of the only ones I mean Jacob as scouts were trained we're trained to find what this guy is better at than anybody else and you almost see these guys that are really exploding and aside from maybe Zach Ertz they're mostly generalists you know yeah no absolutely and I think part of it is also they're you know different types of tight ends you know mm-hmm. you're looking at a traditional inline Y tight end like a bigger guy who can block uh, a U tight end who's you know, kind of, he's not quite big enough or strong enough to be a wide tight end, but you can line him up in line if possible. And then an F tight end, which is like where I think like a Luke Musgrave would be, where, yeah, he's big, but he's a receiver, basically. Mm-hmm. He's just Jimmy a, Graham. Yeah, Jimmy Graham is a perfect example. He's an F tight end because, you know, he can't block, but he can, you know, in his prime, he could catch really well. And, you know, he's a very reliable receiver. So, I think it also depends on like how the teams use him because I mean you look at the Bears the way they used Cole Komet from an efficiency perspective they tried to use him as a U mm-hmm. I don't think he was as good there as he was as an inline tight end as a Y uh, so there are just so many different factors that play into it if you're trying to make a guy something he's not or just really if your offense has a need for that kind of guy so yeah, no it's. Tight ends a very it's a difficult position to break down, but 
this year it does seem to have a really good class, though, and I think we saw the, the Senior Bowl today. Mm-hmm. I did, too. Yeah, we got to bring this back on topic, don't we? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was a nice little segue. I tried to wrap a ball on it. it. Yeah, thank it. you. Thank you. Honestly, we really might as well wrap a ball on the whole thing. Uh, any Anybody that stood out to you guys that we have not talked about that deserves some airtime? I got a few. Um, and I'll just do this off stats because that's the easy thing here and the quick thing. Isaiah Foskey, most explosive efforts of any defensive lineman, 25. The next closest had 22, and that was Tavius Robinson, who I somehow missed all through the senior bowl, I guess, because I don't remember really seeing him a lot. Maybe he was on the other other side of the line the whole time, and it, all this came during uh, scrimmage. I don't know, but he was extremely explosive according to the stats. Um, and the next closest guy only had 15. So the difference between those two and everybody else was huge. Um, and then there was one more offensive lineman that I missed talking about from the national team. And that was Curtis McClendon, who I actually spoke to after the practice as well. I just thought he looked great in one-on-ones today and has gotten better every day. And powerful big run blocker with versatility at tackle and guard and was a very nice young man when I talked to him yeah so I've got a couple guys one Tajay uh Tajay Spears I, yep. keep, I keep saying Tajay Sharp because I think about the wide receiver but Tajay Spears the running back out of Tulane looked really good to me today uh again in this sort of setting it's tougher to evaluate running backs but especially as a pass catcher looked very explosive nice and crisp in his cuts uh, there was one where he absolutely, you know, spanned the guy out. I don't remember what route it was because I looked at the clip in glancing and then that's it. But, uh, yeah, he looked very good from what I was able to see. And another guy that I want to point out, uh, Yaya Diaby. I, I think that's how you pronounce it. I hope it's how you pronounce it. But uh, defensive lineman out of Louisville. He played a lot as an edge rusher, but I liked what he displayed inside as well. Uh, I think, you know, some of the inside-outside versatility. Which is interesting because he's only listed at 263. Exactly. Like, he's not even, like, a massive – like, Adebare from Northwestern, like, he's 280. So, like, there, you know, you can see, all right, you can kick him inside sometimes. Diaby's not the biggest guy out there, but he more than held his own as, like, a three-tech. And, you know, he's quick enough in a vacuum where, you know, he could play as, like, a 4-3 hand-in-the-dirt type of defensive end and – uh, also, he retweeted me for saying that I was he was one of my winners of the day. So thank you to that. Uh, I hope I didn't mispronounce your name, but uh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Honestly, I've got nobody else that we've got time for today. We'll bring you another episode after the Senior Bowl game, which I got to tell you, I'm really excited about. There are a lot of these matchups on both sides. Like, let's see Keanu Benton go up against some of the interior guys on the other side. Let's get Will McDonald going up against some of the tackles that I don't know if they're ready for him. Uh, Like, let's get some of these corners going up against some of these other receivers. It's going to be a great time. Make sure you tune in. I think it's at 1.30 on Saturday, and I don't know the channel. But we will be be coming at you with plenty more. I loved our little tight end tangent. Mm -hmm. I can't wait to get into similar scouting, uh, I don't know, do's and don'ts about every position in football. So keep your eyes on the podcast channel, on Windy City Gridiron, on the YouTube channel for more Bill building the board content as we go through everything about a draft board from top to bottom and hopefully come out with a pretty good one. But we'll see. Stay tuned. Until next time, bear down, and thanks so much for spending time with us.
more to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.